Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We're continuing our examination of the 20th chapter of Second Chronicles. Remember what was going on here. King Jehoshaphat in Judah had uh, an enemy that was gathering together against them. Three different people groups had joined forces together. And uh, the king has come before God and is praying. So let's pick up this prayer uh, in verse 5. It says this, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord, before the new court. So the king uh, comes to the temple, outside area of the temple, where all the people are gathered, and he comes before God and the people. So this is the degree of humility that the king is exhibiting right here. Verse 6 says this, And he, Jehoshaphat, said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, so that no one can stand against you. So we covered this in the previous episode. He's declaring that God is the Lord, that he's the God of our fathers, that he's the God of heavens, that he rules over all the kingdoms of the nations, that the Lord is ruler of all creation. That rule over all the kingdom of the nation is a less than subtle uh, declaration that, God, you're the ruler over these people that are coming against us. We'll see more about that as we go through this prayer. And then he declares that power and might are literally in the hand of God. And all power, all might, so that there's nobody who can stand against you. King Jehoshaphat continues, verse 7. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. So the king is recounting before God and the people what the Lord had done for them. The Lord is the one who drove out the inhabitants of that land. He gave the land to Abraham and to all of his descendants. Now they are living there as a descendants, and he's saying, God, you're the one that drove all the people out of this land. Verse 8, they have lived in it, speaking of the people, and have built you a sanctuary there for your name. So he's saying this, your people now live in this land that you have given us, and your people have built you a sanctuary for your name. I find that interesting right there. You, you know, the scripture is just amazing because uh, the more you read it, the more you discuss it. Uh, I don't know how many times I've actually taught through this chapter right here through the years, and I mean through the years, maybe the last 30 years. And uh, it's like every time I read it, there's something else that is revealed here. God does that with his word, okay? He just reveals layer upon layer. And we know that God uh, uh, did not mandate that they build a temple for him. wasn't his idea. It was David's idea, King David. David wanted to build a temple unto the Lord. Remember, David was sitting there in a pretty house of cedar and all this, and he says, hey, I'm sitting here in this beautiful house, but God's only living over there in a tent. <laughs> well, God wasn't living in a tent. But he, David literally went before the Lord and said, hey, I want to build you this thing. 
And God said, no, you can't do it because you're a man of war, but one of your sons will build it. So he allowed David to collect the material, and Solomon built the temple, and it was a magnificent structure. And the king Jehoshaphat here is saying, we have built you a sanctuary there for your name, for your name. That's the distinction that sort of leapt at, at me this time, is that he's not saying that you can live there, God. We know that you dwell there. But your name is there. All that is entailed within that statement of your name. And that's a really interesting thing to think through. What does it mean by in your name uh, related to anything? Well, it speaks of the character of God. All the elements that we know about who God is is uh, found in his name. So we built you a sanctuary there for your name, for all that you are, God, saying... That's saying is the last word, the eighth verse, and then the sentence continues in the ninth verse. So let me go back to the beginning of the eighth where you can get the flow. They have lived in it, speaking of the people living in the land, and have built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying, should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house. There's that name thing again. And cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Well, that's literally what they're doing right now. But the king is reminding the Lord of what he had said at the dedication of the temple. Second Chronicles, I think chapters 5, 6, and 7 with Solomon. So what God had done was this. God had told Solomon... Uh, Here's what's going to happen. This is the way you're supposed to live. And then he delineates it. And he's speaking to Solomon and the people. He says, but when you don't, when things come against you, when evil comes against you, when the sword comes against you, when judgment comes against you, or pestilence because of the sin that you've committed, or famine, if you will come before this house, if you'll come before me and cry to me, I will hear you. And I will deliver you. That is the verse of Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, remember that passage. That is the when that occurs. So now King Jehoshaphat is reminding the Lord of that, and he's saying, God, we are here. We are here before you, and we're here before you. Stand it upon your word, because when you told us that before with King Solomon, we agreed to it, and we said yes. Now, let's look at the next two verses right here, verses 10 and 11. Solomon, I mean, Jehoshaphat continues to pray. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, and then parenthetically he says, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us from your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. This is actually sort of uh, somewhat humorous if it wasn't so serious. And the reason is the king is reminding, the Lord is telling the Lord, saying, Lord, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are come against us. Does God know this already? Yeah, of course he does. But it's a pattern for us, folks. We see some things. We need to bring this stuff before the Lord, not just have the idea of say, well, God knows what I need, so I don't have to worry about praying to him. I don't have to say anything because he already knows. No, no, no. This relationship we're talking about here. So King Jehoshaphat tells the Lord, here's what's going on. And then he reminds him. He says, Lord, these people right here, you didn't let us deal with them when we first came into Egypt. And that's totally true. 
I mean, when they first came out of Egypt, when they came into the promised land, the Lord told them, uh, leave these people alone, Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, that's Edom. He said, leave them alone. And you think, well, why is that? Well, there's a reason. God's got special plans for them, particularly in the end of time type of thing. <coughs> but leave them alone. But now the king is saying, hey, this is how they're rewarding us. They're coming to drive us out of your possession when we weren't allowed to deal with them to start with. And he's sort of acting like that they had been totally obedient to the Lord and had dealt with all the people in the way they were supposed to, and they really hadn't. The Lord had told them to offer the people uh, unto destruction, an offering of destruction type of thing, and they didn't do it. They went in and took part of the promised land. They did part of what God told them to do, but they didn't do totally. They did not devote the people to destruction in the way that the Lord had told them. And so the kings acting like they had done everything right, and that wasn't quite true. But the Lord knows their heart. He knows the heart of the king. He knows what's being said here. It's true. Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir were left, and now those three that were left, and God told them not to deal with them, were the ones that were coming against them and were the ones that were coming to drive them out of your possession, Lord. Your possession, the possession of God that he had given to them by the inheritance in the land. It's a phenomenal prayer. We have to stop right here because of time. Uh, go to Second Chronicles 20 and read through it, and we'll continue the discussion next episode. I'll see you all then. <laughs> 